a roundup of the main business news from China and elsewhere. This is Global Business. From CGTN headquarters here in Beijing, this is Global Business. I'm Michael Wong. Coming up on the program. Strengthening China-Colombia ties. Colombian President Gustavo Petro is paying a state visit to China from today to Thursday to bolster ties with the world's second largest economy. China-U.S. relations. The governor of California, Gavin Newsom, is in the tech hub of Shenzhen, the second stop of a week-long visit to China. Plus, Beijing and Washington held their first economic working group meeting today. And building a sustainable future. The Asian Infrastructure Investment Bank turns nine. With over 100 member countries, we'll recap how the AIIB is supporting regional connectivity and green development. And we start with the China-Colombia ties, where the president of the Republic of Colombia, Gustavo Francisco Petro Urrego, is paying a state visit starting today. Our Yang Chengxi is following the Colombian president's visit to China and explains what we can expect from this state visit. At the invitation of President Xi Jinping, President of the Republic of Colombia, Gustavo Petro, is paying a state visit to China from Tuesday to Thursday, as the Latin American leader seeks to strengthen ties with the world's second biggest economy. According to Colombian officials, a major topic of the two presidents' discussion will be the construction of a metro system in the Colombian capital of Bogota. President Petro has previously said that he hopes China can further help Colombia with transportation projects based on the use of trains and electric technologies. The Bogota Metro project is being carried out by a consortium of the China Harbor Engineering Company and Xi'an Rail Transit Group. It is the largest public works project in the country. President Petro's visit follows other Latin American leaders, namely Venezuelan President Nicolas Maduro last month and the Chilean President Gabriel Boric, who took part in the just-concluded Belt and Road Forum in Beijing. Although Colombia has not signed on to China's Belt and Road Initiative, trade and investment relations between the two sides have grown over the years. China is Colombia's second biggest trading partner, and bilateral trade volume reached 22.6 billion U.S. dollars in 2022, showing a 13% year-on-year growth. One of the bright spots has been Colombia's exports to China, which grew by 25% last year, consisting of high-quality produce such as coffee and avocado. Yang Chongxi, CGTN, Beijing. Right, so as our Yang Chengxi was reporting, Colombian exports to China jumped 25% last year, of course. That's despite the pandemic and supply chain disruptions. Meanwhile, the chairman of the board of directors of the Colombia-China Chamber of Investment and Commerce, Mr. Carlos Ronderos, said that trade with China increased enormously and that exports have diversified considerably. So for a closer look at the economic ties between China and Colombia, I want to bring in Professor Jiang Shixue from Shanghai University. Institute of Global Studies. Professor Zhang, welcome to the program. I want to begin first with a trade. What is, do you think, the China market potential for Colombian businesses going forward? Which areas of China's consumer market do you think holds the most potential for Colombian businesses? Well, as you know, China is uh, one of the major trade partners for Colombia. And uh, in Colombia, well, you can see uh, all kinds of um, Chinese products. 
And in the Chinese market, we can also enjoy uh, nice fruits and other kinds of products. So the potential is very, very great. In order to promote bilateral trade relationship, I would like to uh, suggest uh, two points. First of all, I hope that uh, Colombia and China can sign free trade agreement. Well, 10 years ago, uh, both sides started to do some kind of feasibility study for this uh, FTA. But uh, sorry to say, this kind of uh, negotiation is yet to start. And secondly, I believe that uh, Colombia might uh, hesitate to uh, sign a kind of a belt road cooperation agreement with China. But uh, some other people say it is likely that this time uh, President Petros might sign this document. Uh, if we can see this kind of signing of the document, I believe further cooperation in trade and other areas will, will move forward very rapidly. Okay. From trade, I want to turn your attention, Professor Jiang, to transportation and infrastructure, because we know the Colombian capital of Bogota has one of the world's worst traffic jams. Uh, the city of some 11 million people have been eyeing a metro system for a long time, and it's getting that with help from China. Are you expecting Colombia to transform its public transportation system through its economic partnerships with China? And are the two countries, do you think, eyeing cooperation beyond just subways? Transportation is really a big problem. I still remember last time I went to Bogota, oh, we, we suffered terribly from this kind of a traffic jam. And uh, I hope that uh, Chinese investment will help Colombia to improve its uh, metro system and on-the-road traffic system, highways, bridges, harbors, and other kinds of things. In the future, I believe that uh, China and Colombia can cooperate uh, in many, many fields, apart from uh, infrastructures, and I think uh, they can also benefit a lot from cooperation in the agricultural field, as well as in the mining sector. I'm sure that uh, the future will be very bright. Okay, we're going to leave it there. Many thanks for your thoughts on all of this. Professor Jiang Shishu from Shanghai University's Institute of Global Studies. Well, China's Foreign Minister Wang Yi will visit the U.S. from Thursday to Saturday. The Chinese Foreign Ministry says it's at the invitation of U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken. Foreign Ministry spokesperson Mao Ning said the visit is expected to expand pragmatic cooperation and work to restore bilateral relations. And China and the United States held their first economic working group meeting on Tuesday. Vice ministerial officials from the Chinese Finance Ministry and the U.S. Treasury Department met via video link. The discussions on the global economic situation and its challenges, bilateral economic relations and bilateral policies were in-depth and constructive. The meeting comes after a consensus reached in July in Beijing by Chinese Vice Premier and lead official for China-U.S. Economic and Trade Affairs, He Lifeng, and U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen. And Gavin Newsom, a governor of the U.S. state of California, has paid a visit to the Shenzhen bus group Antua Hill Depot and test-driven some of the electric cars there. Governor Newsom is on a week-long visit to China to promote ties with Chinese provinces in green development and economic cooperation. He began his trip over in Hong Kong on Monday and is scheduled to visit Shanghai and Beijing in the coming days. A reporter at Cao Chufeng has more. 
this is not just an ordinary bus depot. It's actually also an electric charging station for electric buses. Now, Shenzhen is the first major city around the world to have an all-electric bus fleet and taxi fleet.、Uh, when Newsom was here, he looked through、uh, all the electric buses here. He looked at the charging poles. He even took a test drive of some electric cars that was brought to the depot.、Um, In an interview with us, he told us that、uh, even though there are similar things back in California, but not at the scale, so he was quite impressed. It's not a very easy task to support a, such a big public green transportation system. It would mean you would need a lots of charging facilities throughout the city. In Shenzhen right now, there are about forty thousand charging stations, and the city is aiming for more. They are now building more superchargers,、uh, which are facilities that can charge electric vehicles much quicker than ordinary ones. Local government says they will. Have no less than 300 supercharger stations by the end of March next year. Now, about one third of Chinese immigrants to America are living in California, and China and the U.S. state have a long history in collaboration across various sectors, including on tackling climate change.、Um, many MOUs、uh, were also signed between Newsom's、uh, predecessors and China. Now, Newsom's trip this time is. Considered as very crucial to reinforce such partnership and also collaboration with China, he's gonna visit multiple cities and he's got a full agenda, including meeting government officials, visiting clean green energy facilities, as well as signing MOUs. And、tourism and cultural ties are also high on the agenda of California Governor Gavin Newsom's China trip. Caroline Batetta is the president and CEO of Visit California, an industry-led organization that promotes tourism in the state. In an interview with my colleague Zheng Shi, Batetta said she hopes the trip will bring more Chinese tourists to the state. Take a listen. Why don't we start with Governor Gavin Newsom's trip to China? Part of this visit is about promoting tourism and economic development. What do you expect will be accomplished with the governor's visit? We're really excited and appreciate the governor and his willingness to visit. We we really hope that it just continues to、uh, foster a spirit of cooperation and more exchange.、Uh, eventually,、uh, hopefully, leading to more Chinese visitors、uh, coming to California. But because of the pandemic, many Chinese tourists had difficulty traveling abroad. Uh, Carolyn, how important is the Chinese market for California's tourism industry as you map out your marketing strategy for the coming years? China is absolutely paramount in terms of our global market and the strategy. It's our number one market that we have. Pre-pandemic, Chinese visitors spent four billion dollars in market. We had about one and a half million visitors, more share and volume than any other state in the United States. So that that's what we're looking to, and、uh, really trying to overcome some of the challenges we have today with airline lift, for example. I mean, you've had experience with restoring tourism after major natural and economic crises. What remains to be done post COVID?、Um, how do we speed up recovery efforts at this point? Well, it's critical, and that's part of the governor's visit that that our respective departments of transportation continue to talk 
to this day, we actually only share 15% of the lift that we had prior to the pandemic. Lift being airline seats and capacity to bring those Chinese visitors over to experience the joys of California. So that's first and foremost is to have a place for them and a vehicle for them to visit. And then with regard to, you know, future, we, we've been investing in the market for 15 years. The Chinese market, they're, they become dear friends, obviously business partners, but that foundation is already laid. We're, we're actually planning on spending about $7.2 million this year. And as a matter of fact, we were the first state to bring over a delegation of tourism executives that we did in August, both to Beijing and Shanghai. In the Chinese consulate in San Francisco has held a special event aiming to foster tourism and business exchanges. It's centered around the province of Fujian, where the ancient maritime Silk Road began. Our Mark New explains. At the Chinese consulate in San Francisco, a rare look at a province that's now open for business. The program is called Refreshing Fujian, starting point of the maritime Silk Road. To some extent, the Fujian spirit, Fujian culture, is a hallmark of Chinese culture. Here you'll be surrounded by nature, and you will have a journey of delicacies. The vibrant Fujian culture never fails to impress. Facing the east and south China seas and the Taiwan Straits, Fujian province has a forest coverage rate of more than 65 percent, the highest in all of China. The environment for business is also thriving. In the past 45 years, Fujian's total economic output has jumped from over 6 billion yuan to 5.3 trillion yuan, an increase of more than 800 times, which is among the highest in the nation. Fujian is home to many world-famous brands. Clay Thompson from the NBA Golden State Warriors wears sneakers from Anta, a Fujian-based sports brand. This is the first time the Fujian delegation has come to San Francisco to promote business and travel. California representatives are hopeful it's another sign that relations are on the upswing. Our California governor is on his way to China as we speak. So I'm very happy that we are opening up our borders again and we will have direct flights from California into China. By connecting with Louis Star Tea Company from Fujian Province, tea lover Cindy Tuisku will next month visit Fujian's Wui Mountains, famous for its tea fields. Oolong, black tea, white tea, and jasmine tea all were developed in Fujian Province. Learning about the tea, where it's growing and how it's processed, they said I'll get to make a little bit of tea myself. And one of the most famous puppetry forms in Fujian province comes from the city of Zhangzhou, the Zhangzhou Glove Puppet Show. You can see I've got one here, the extraordinary detail. I can do some basic moves, but he can take it away. Performers and artists share Fujian culture to audiences who are both familiar and sometimes unfamiliar with the traditions. Fujian native and U.S. restaurateur Queenie Chen catered the food for the event, which offers some authentic dishes. I want everyone to taste what is a Fujian cuisine, how it tastes like it and look like it. Yeah, I'm really happy. Selena Chu was born in Fujian province and hasn't been back in more than 20 years. Does this make you want to go back someday? Absolutely, 120 percent. I'm like, oh, I didn't even know that that was happening in my birthplace. So this is also a learning experience for me, and I'm so grateful to see other people equally appreciate it.
Mark New, CGTN, San Francisco. Well, Tuesday marks the ninth anniversary of the Asian Infrastructure Investment Bank. So I want to take a closer look at what the AIIB has achieved in just under a decade. On October 24th, 2014, financial ministers and representatives from 21 Asian countries, including, of course, China, India and Singapore signed a memorandum of understanding to establish the Multilateral Development Bank. A year later, on December 25th, the AIIB was officially set up as an international financial institution. In 2019, at its fourth annual meeting, the AIIB approved the membership of Benin, Djibouti and Rwanda, bringing the total number of members to 100. On July 28, 2020, during the opening ceremony of the fifth annual meeting of the AIIB, Chinese President Xi Jinping said the AIIB had achieved a membership of 102 spanning six continents, Asia, Europe, Africa, North America, South America, and Oceania. By the end of 2021, the AIIB had 104 members, and as of September of this year, it has grown to 109. So from 57 founding members to now 109 members worldwide, a AAA credit rating and 100 billion U.S. dollars in capitalization. Let's get more on the Asian Infrastructure Investment Bank marking its ninth anniversary and bring in Chu Chiang, a research fellow at the Beijing Foreign Studies University. Chu Chiang, welcome. So first of all, how would you assess the AIIB's performance over the past nine years, especially when it comes to promoting sustainable infrastructure and regional connectivity? Well, I think their achievement is actually phenomenal and amazing. Just imagine uh, this giant financial, uh, you know, uh, organization that they founded just uh, less than 60 years ago, but right now they're one of the highest rating financial organizations all over the world. Uh, shoulder to shoulder to the World Bank, to the ADB, and etc. You will see this is actually a very, very huge, uh, you know, achievement. And secondly, right now they have 109 members uh, from the 47 members with only within the five years. This is also a very high growth speed. And also, if you take a look at their registered capital, is uh, about 100 billion US dollar. Right now, they have already endorsed uh, more than 235 projects all over the six continents, as you just mentioned. And the total investment and the lending to this project is about uh, 45 billion US dollar. And more than that, leverage up local social investment uh, about 60 or 30 times more than that. So they have a very good leverage, uh, you know, effect uh, to help the local, uh, you know, regional development. And also, uh, especially worth mentioning is that uh, during the pandemic, uh, pandemic uh, you know, period of time, the whole AIIB has been contributing more to more than uh, 200, uh, oh, sorry, two, 20 billion US dollars to help those uh, member states, help them to pass through the difficulties. And I think all this actually been helping the South South nations in a very large extent. And as you mentioned, all this donate, uh, all this lendings and the helps are actually focusing on the infrastructures because I think AIB actually believe in a one face that is giving them fish is not good enough, but rather to give to teach them how to fish and to give them the tools to fish can actually help them to solve a fundamental problem. Oh, Chijian, how do you see, though, the AIIB differentiating itself from other multilateral development banks, but also at the same time working with its other MDB peers and supporting global development? Well, I think number one, I think future for them is, is a diversity-oriented organization. Well, rather than the other counterpart like the World Bank and ADB, I think AIIB, first of all, 
is with many diversities. For example, they have in North countries, within G20 countries, 14 of the G20 countries are the founding members. And also, they have lots of South-South countries within it as well. And also, secondly, I think it's development-oriented because South-South countries have a very large say within the operation of the IIB. They can decide what kind of project is the priority can be funded by the IIB. What's the turn? What's the rate? What can be the best for the benefit of the South-South country. So it can be very, very inclusive and with equal treatment to all the country. And thirdly, I think it's infrastructure and a capacity oriented, as we just mentioned about it. We try to teach how to fish and to give them the tools of how to fish it, rather than just giving people a fish. Because we believe in a hands up is better than just a hand down. And also fourthly, I think it's green and uh, you know, uh, sustainable oriented because uh, uh, more than 50% of the funding and the supporting project uh, of the IIB are surrounding the green development, environment protection, and the contacting uh, the uh, climate change challenges. So I think all these are outstanding features. And compared to all these counterparts, for example, the New Development Bank, I think uh, the AIB are more inclusive and more comprehensive in the regard of the South South Corporation and also the South and North Corporation. So I think this uh, diversity and this kind of inclusiveness can be celebrated and welcomed. Chi many thanks for your perspectives on that. Do stay with us. We're going to come back to you in just a short moment. Over to trade, where Yiwu in China's eastern coastal province of Zhejiang is a byword for global trade. The growing presence of foreigners has inspired local residents to embrace cultural diversity and foster friendships with the international community. Our Chen Lanyou takes us to Jimingshan, one of Yiwu's biggest international neighborhoods. Yiwu, home to the world's largest wholesale market, attracts thousands of foreign buyers and traders each year. Many foreigners who regularly do business in Yiwu have chosen to settle here. Jimingshan is one of Yiwu's communities with a significant numbers of foreigners. When it was established in 2003, it had a population of 10,000, all Chinese. After 20 years, its population has more than doubled and is home to nearly 1,400 foreigners from 76 countries. Jimingshan has earned the nickname, the United Nations Community. Food festivals, folk culture shows, and language classes mark the internationalization of Jimingshan. The first class called less people, but later with the time, more and more people coming. More bigger class, I had like 55 person in one class, so that's what's incredible because. Foreign residents are made welcome by the Jimingshan Neighborhood Committee, which embraces the concept of people's democracy. The committee also encourages participation in community building activities, such as fire safety drills. In case of disputes or special requests, residents can get help using Jimingshan's digital service platform. We rolled out a digital platform last year. Residents can use the message board to appoint a mediator to help you with all kinds of problems. Sajid Akuba, a Pakistani businessman, arrived in Jinshan when he was just a teenager in 2005. Now 38, he runs an import and export business and is an active member of the neighborhood committee. 
I have two or three times uh, problems. I share with them. And they're gonna fix it. Of for course, you? I do a lot of a lot of mediation mm -hmm. for the medi as a mediator in the communities. It's like we are all living here like a family. The government of Yiwu has done away with red tape and streamlined processes for foreigners. This is the service center that assists them. So the service center is not as packed as I thought. Maybe because it's approaching lunch time. Let's go find out why. There are less people coming to the service center now. It's a reflection of our reforms. Paperwork has been digitalized. In 2017, we launched the reform of only coming once. In 2019, we launched the one window for all needs. Foreigners only need to submit one set of requirements and we will offer them streamlined services. We brought off our EU government, all the departments under one building. Your industry and commerce bureau, your visa section, your tax department, your everything. The ease of doing business and favorable living conditions continue to attract foreign enterprises. This is partly evident in EU's trade figures. From January to July 2023, the total import and export value of EU city rose by nearly 20% from a year ago to 320 billion yuan, or more than 43 billion US dollars. EU is boosting its standing, not just as a high-quality trading hub, but as a global city, nurturing mutual understanding between China and the rest of the world. My name is Boris Bogla. I come from Slovakia, Europe, and China, but also EU. Convenient, uh, opportunities, uh, safety, a beautiful home. CGTN. Right, so EWU is known as the world's supermarket. It is the world's largest market for small commodities, and today is the final day of the 29th EWU Fair. I want to bring back Chu Chang, research fellow at the Beijing Foreign Studies University, to get his take on all of this. Uh, Chu Chang, I want to ask you about the fair specifically. How does the EWU Fair, which is quite a big trade event, demonstrate the breadth and depth of small commodities available for global trade? And how do you think this fair provides insights into global supply chain trends? Well, I don't know whether you've been there before or not, but I've been there. I, I can tell you I'm amazed or even shocked because I can tell you that 80% uh, of the world's small product, uh, the toys, uh, the sanitary gadget, and all the, all the little things in our household are made and supplied by the EU. So this is actually the international expo for you know the small products that we use at home. So I think this is rather important because right now we'll be facing many multiple challenges, for example, geopolitical conflicts, supply chain issues, and high inflation. And I think recently we're just one month away from you know the very dense you know holiday seasons. You're talking about the uh, the New Year. You're talking about Xmas. You're talking about Hanukkah. And uh, I think you don't want to use all this excuses to frustrate your kids to say, okay, I don't have the sand, I don't have the toys, I don't have the president, but you would like to put affordable, good quality toys and everything into your family's hands. So if we make sure that happens, this year we've been looking at more than 10,000 kiosks and more than 30,000 of categories and millions of different respective products we provided in you. They make sure that we will have a good holiday and make sure that all these products can be delivered to the consumers all over the world. This is more important. All right, we're going to leave it there. Many thanks for your thoughts on all of that. Chu Chang, Research Fellow at the Beijing Foreign Studies University. Thank you, Chu Chang. And with that, we're going to wrap up this edition of Global Business here on CGTN. I'm Michael Wong here in Beijing. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you again next time.